Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody and Steve and once again joined by Elliot. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for the Liberty Block. We invite anyone listening to this podcast to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts on the issues that we discuss. Good afternoon, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. Jody. Yeah. Fun. It's so, all yours if you want it. Sure. There's a. There's been a lot of fun stuff over the week, right? But um, I wanted to start with probably a nothing burger, um, but worth talking about. I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, Project Veritas said that they were re secretly recording CNN for months. Did you guys see that? I well, saw the, first re the reveal, yeah. Yeah, so I was waiting anxiously, hoping it wasn't hyperbole. And I gotta tell you, so I went to Project Ver Veritas and really, did you guys read what basically the recordings were about? Anybody? Um, I, I saw him interviewed on Hannity. I So I thought it was, cause I was expecting, you know, some really, big stuff that they were saying, like collusion style, almost, I don't know. I was expecting bigger stuff, I guess, but you know, basically it was liberals being, excuse me, I don't like to call them liberals anymore. They're lefties, lefties being lefties. Uh, for example, Zucker said, this is a president who knows he's losing, who knows he's in trouble, is sick. Maybe he's on the after effects of steroids or not, I don't know but he's acting erratically and desperately and we need to not normalize that. So that's their first thing. I find that a nothing burger. Is it just me? Is that like not a big deal? Well, I don't think that's a nothing burger because they're supposed to be reporting the news, not giving us their opinion as news. But didn't we already know they were giving us their opinion? Right, well, I, I, I think that's true. And I think if you, if you know James O'Keefe and you know, Project Veritas, his style, their style is to lay something small off at first and let the other side start denying it. And then he comes back with more video later. Oh, okay. So, so I did not know this about him. And I hope that's what's happening here because I was really hoping for something more collusion like, you know, like, I don't know, juicy and takedown. And I just was not feeling that vibe, but I hope that that is how it's going down. I think well, the first no. question is, have we ever heard board meetings of any other news organization? What are we comparing this to? Good question. Well, I'll compare it to something. I mean, not, not really news reports, but um, it, it reminds me of what's going on with these legal challenges in, in the uh, Trump versus Biden uh, matter. Um, as you said, Jody, everybody knows who they are. Everybody knows this is what lefties do. And, and I think everybody knows, I think in a colloquial anecdotal sense, everybody who watched the election that night and hears all these stories about the votes, you know, the vote count stopping, uh, Republicans being sent home at one in the morning and Democrats being allowed to continue counting, uh, not you know, not checking the signatures on the envelopes, throwing away envelopes. There's a whole bunch of anecdotal evidence that, you know, I look at it and just like you looked at those videos and said, well, that's really not news to me. I mean, I look at it, of course there's fraud, but, you know, I don't see that you have enough for a, for a court to determine that there's fraud there. Um, you know, there's enough for us to look at it as, as rational, common sense people. Um, you know, and so that's that's the analogy I would make to it. I think that, you know, it's it's not that it's I mean, it is a nothing burger, but and we already kind of knew it. Um, we know what's going on in the in the presidential race. But, um, you know, I've I've had some, you know, many conversations, some with you guys and some with other people about uh, the efficacy of court challenges in general. Um, you know, I don't remember how how much we got into it last week or not. You know, I'm, a, I'm of the leave no stone unturned mindset. And so I, 
I definitely don't think Trump should withdraw the, the, the lawsuits, but um, I think, I think that we're coming up on some, some, to me, the, the big issue is that we're dealing with a stress on the system and we're dealing with stresses on the system that the framers just couldn't, couldn't have intended or couldn't have imagined. Um, our, our system of federalism and our constitution presupposes a certain amount of good faith on all the actors and we don't have it here. Um, and, you know, I don't mean to hijack the conversation right from the get-go, but um, so I'll let somebody else talk, but I think what, what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did over the weekend is, is almost a perfect example. Um, what we've been discussing about the riots from the summer uh, is another example where federalism is being used to turn the system on its head and to destroy rights rather than to protect rights. Mm -hmm. I'll let you guys jump back in. Elliot, anything? Is Elliot I, here? I only uh, heard a little bit of the video clip, maybe Glenn Beck or someone else played it, some of the clip of O'Keefe with uh, Project Veritas about CNN. I don't remember everything that those CNN uh, employees were saying, but you know, some of it was to be expected. They are far left. Um, some of it was was somewhat upsetting, but nothing uh, earth shattering, I don't think. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope they have some more evidence. It's great that some people say there's no evidence. We published an article with, I think, thousands of pieces of evidence. And now there was some other video I think I posted in the show notes of a few other clips of people, actual eyewitnesses who saw them doing inappropriate things with ballots, like, like, uh, counting ballots that looked, you know, thousands of carbon copies that looked the exact same ballots as far as signatures and the, the birth dates that there were no dates, no registration. So they put down 1120, meaning they're not, uh, you know, old enough to vote if, they, if the birth date was in 2020. Um, so a lot of these, they call them irregularities, which I think is really, really downplaying fraud or Aren't election they witnesses? integrity issues. I mean, technically yeah. they're witnesses, right? Yep. So they're actual witnesses, unlike the, the, uh, anonymous witnesses that they were using against Trump, you know, the left was using with, with the Russian collusion story or all that. Right. There are actual witnesses who are putting themselves on record. And we've spoken about this a bit. They are putting themselves in jeopardy of of uh, actual fraud in the courts under oath, I believe. So, yeah. so penalty of perjury, right? So there are people who are actually risking something, sticking their necks out to accuse them of, of possible election fraud. And we should take that a lot more seriously. And again, going back to CNN, they've been downplaying that a ton, saying maybe one person might have seen something maybe inappropriate, possibly, um, but it's really BS because Trump lost. They're really oh. downplaying what thousands of people have seen of actual fraud, and they're they're putting themselves in risk of perjury to do it. Well, let me say a couple things. I mean, number one, I, I mean, I agree that somebody who's willing to take the chance of being prosecuted for perjury is certainly taking a risk and exposing themselves. And it's a reason to give them some credibility. But um, on the other side of the coin, the allegations are that people are committing mass felonies. I mean, if some whoever if, if there really are hundred tens or tens of thousands of votes that have been fraudulently put into the system, whoever did that is probably going to spend the rest of his life in jail if he's ever caught. And it's probably not you know the the allegation is not that it's one or two or three people. It's doesn't. I mean, if you listen to some people, I mean, it goes all the way includes includes members of the judiciary that are just ruling against Trump because they don't like him and they're part of the conspiracy. And all- Do you think there's any merit to that? that do I think there's any merit to what? Do you what? think there's any merit to that, what you were just saying, how, that you think the judiciary is colluding against Trump? Uh, okay, maybe colluding is the wrong word. Some clearly are. Against. Clearly the North Carolina court, the Pennsylvania biased court- Biased against. The judges allowed for ballots to be counted for upwards of a week after the election. That is anti-Trump, it is. Um, well, I mean, I, I think I think that I think that's true. But do we know that's true? Do we know that only Democrats are going to bring votes after the bell? Do we know that Republicans never try and cheat? I mean, we don't think so. But when you're talking about, you know, if the word court means something, the word judge means something and you can't you can't have a court and a judge separate and apart from rules and procedures and part of the rules and procedures are elements of standards of proof elements of proof and we all know that that's the reason why democrats brought those suits okay um but is that is that proof that there's collusion between the judiciary and the, and the democrats I, I don't think so um i think a better example would be 
what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did over this weekend. Um, and I, again, I, I mentioned that a minute ago. You know, I don't want to get too into the weeds on it unless you guys want to. I don't know if you're even familiar with the opinion, but um, I don't think that they've colluded. I think that they're sympathetic to it. But uh, there's a Third Circuit panel that ruled against the Trump, uh, the Trump team on uh, on a challenge from Pennsylvania. And the three judge panel was one Trump appointee and two Bush appointees. And the Trump appointee is the one who wrote the opinion that said, we take seriously all claims and allegations of, of vote fraud. And, you know, free and fair elections are the cornerstone of a, of a democratic society, but uh, they have to be backed up and these don't have anything backing them up. And they, and he dismissed, and it wasn't just an initial dismissal. It was the, the complaint had already been amended once. And they said, we're going to just, you know, dismiss the claim or affirm the dismissal of the claim. So I don't think that, you know, three Republican appointees, one of whom was a Trump appointee, are colluding to to get Trump. I don't think they're working with the deep state. I don't I just don't think so. I think that there are deeper issues involved. Um, but uh, so I don't you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's collusion. But uh, just getting back to what we were talking about before, if there is a conspiracy along the lines of what's being alleged, you're talking about thousands and thousands of people that are going to be facing jail probably for the rest of their lives if this ever gets found out and if they're indicted and and prosecuted successfully i'm gonna, which, I'm gonna jump i don't in. think will ever happen yeah first of all i don't think they'll ever get punished they'll probably be in the same cell as comey and struck and page mm -hmm. and all those other people that attorney you General mean cnn and, and john durham put in jail wasting our money for two years and doing nothing um as far as cnn goes you know as we know one of our liberty block contributors lives in ukraine and is studying russian and he's trying to teach me that a C in Russian is an S and a P in Russian is an R. So what I'm coming to realize is CNN, when you transpose the letters, is TDS. <laughs> and um, their Trump arrangement syndrome is such, you know, when the guy talks about we can't normalize it, he's telling his people that we have to frame things in a way that destroy Trump and we have to hide things that help Trump. So it's, it is almost marching orders, and we haven't heard much of it yet. And as far as conspiracies, I think it's very much the same thing. Um, if I remember correctly, John Roberts is a Republican appointee. That would be the John Roberts who says we don't have Republican appointees and Democrat appointees. We're all wonderful judges. That would be John Roberts who said a tax is a tax, except for when it's not a tax, in which case it is a tax. So the way I see it, no matter who appointed them, I have zero confidence in any judge Judge, judges want to be loved. They want to be invited to cocktail parties and they will go with the pressure from the press. And that's just to me, you know, we never question why the four liberals on the Supreme Court almost never veer off. That's like a given. It's just a matter of can the press and the cocktail circuit push, put enough pressure on a judge. So well, I, I think there's actually a good reason for that, though, Steve. I think that the reason is our, the people on the right are divided as to how to deal with this threat coming from the left. And it's, and it's right along the lines of the conservative libertarian divide. Some people think that, you know, that the overarching principle of liberty is the overarching uh, principle that needs to guide us all the time. And even when we're dealing with our enemies that are trying to use our liberties to destroy us. And so, so sometimes, I mean, not that Roberts is one of these. I think Roberts is just a turncoat. And I think that Roberts just is no longer... You know, he, he disavowed his association with the Federalist Society and you know, no one believed him at the time, but I think that he was telling the truth. Uh, but I think on our side, some people, you know, it's just like the whole you know, issue with big tech. You know, do we just let the market fix it and let the market regulate it? Or do we take some extraordinary actions that in, in a less say fair economy, we might not otherwise support, but recognize that if we don't do something, we're going to wind up in a dictatorship and sooner rather than later. And okay, so all I'm saying is I think the people on the left side of the court, for the most part, start with their decision and don't even care what they write because the press isn't going to bother them. Mm -hmm. Whereas some of the people on the right on the court are sincere jurists and do disagree sometimes. And that's wonderful if they're really good jurists and they actually think about the issues. So, you know, when you talk about it's going to involve thousands of people, there are millions of people in this country who would do anything in the entire world, including burning cities down to get Trump out of office. So 
that doesn't it doesn't surprise me that thousands and thousands of people are involved in it. And again, I don't I don't see any of them getting punished. Some of us are old enough to remember when there were heavily armed Black Panthers stopping people from voting in 2008 in Philadelphia. Anybody remember their jail term? Uh, yeah, I remember the whole situation. Yes, I remember Eric Holder laughing it off. The so, same, a same term as uh, Hillary Clinton served in jail. Yeah, exactly. In the same place. So if Biden wins, for sure, they're not going to get punished. And whenever a Republican wins, we hear about let's move on. We don't want to get stuck in the past. If I remember correctly, uh, Bill Clinton's best friend today, I think, in the world is George W. Bush. I didn't think Bill Clinton had any friends in the world. Uh, Bill Clinton and the Bushes and the Clintons are very, very tight. So because we wanted bygones to be bygones, whether or not they stole the W's off the keyboards. So again, you know, are they leaving like the Obamas out of it. Look, that is so racist. <laughs> he needs to be in the Super Friends Club. That's, that's right. <laughs> But anyway, um, that's my thoughts on CNN. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious they're biased. But then again, you know, CNN supposedly has no viewers other than in airports. Yep, very few. Well, so go ahead. Go ahead, Elliot. Go ahead. Well, I just want to give my quick little rant on, on courts because someone else mentioned this a few days ago about other issues. But this is about every issue. And I've heard this from, from uh, NRA, GOA, FEC, and a lot of others for years about how we should fight in courts and please donate money to help us fight in courts on a city, state, and federal level. And I've said for years that we should not, you know, fight it out in the courts. And I think I have five reasons why. Maybe some are related. The first reason is we lose. We almost always lose these cases. It's very rare to get a win. The second reason is it's insanely expensive. Obviously, Ed, you're a lawyer. We uh, we all know how expensive lawyers are. Just you stay in the fight, which takes days or years. Every day costs you money. You know, hundred thousand dollars, millions of dollars. So after years, you could spend ten, twenty million, hundred million in court. And I think that our money from conservatives and libertarians donating could be used maybe more efficiently than donating millions to lawyers for cases that won't matter. Uh, the third thing is it takes too long. Of course, some of these issues take 5, 10, 20 years. Every decade or so, the Supreme Court takes up a, a Second Amendment case. Um, so it you know, takes years. It's not very quick fix. Uh, not that there are any quick fixes with, with politics. The fourth big reason, which is one of the biggest reasons that I don't believe we should fight in the courts, is it grants legitimacy to the government, the tyrants, the politicians, and their institutions. If you say that your husband is beating you and he's he's uh, abusive and beat the crap out of you, you shouldn't appeal to that same institution by saying, you know, by legitimizing him and his beatings of you, you should just leave or fight back. Um, and the fifth reason, which we see very often, we saw again the other day with Cuomo, is even when we do win and we have the money and the time and everything else and we finally win a case, it does not matter. I've written many articles about this. Um, federal law, especially if it's only a Supreme Court case precedent, but even if it's legislation, even if it's constitutional amendment, still, Tyrants, leftists disregard it, as we see with all the gun laws, which violate the Second Amendment, as you see with uh, California, New Jersey, New York, Illinois, Connecticut, Massachusetts, violating federal law on immigration and on cannabis. We've, they've done that for decades, I believe. And recently, Cuomo, after the Supreme Court case the other day, a few days ago, the Supreme Court ruled against Governor Cuomo of New York and in favor of some religious institutions. Cuomo said, yeah, go screw yourselves because I'm just going to manipulate one of the words from hot zone to warm zone or warm zone to hot zone or restructure the whatever zones of the COVID, um, you know, extreme, you know, how the levels of COVID and therefore the whole Supreme Court case is not relevant to this case. So screw you. That's pretty much what he said to the court. So even when we do win, it actually has zero effect ever. I've yet to see any, any court case ever that had an effect. Uh, if there are any, they're very, very few and far between. Um, so I think we should not fight the courts. Maybe there are better ways to do it like revolution, like Daniel Harworth has been calling for, for months now. Hey, well, I, have... I think, I th go ahead, Jody. No, and you go ahead, because I have a question that might shift the uh, discussion a little bit. So you go. You're going a little bit far for me in certain areas, but I will add that Roe v. Wade is settled constitutional law, but Heller can always be revisited. So one of the games that they always play on the left is when they win, it's for keeps. When we win, it's temporary, and we mm -hmm. need to fight for another day. I agree with you on most of the issues that you have with the courts, for sure, about too expensive, taking too long. It doesn't help me a hoot that in five years, a court may send something back to a lower court, which can then be rewritten in another way. And I know that lawyers tend to see this very, very differently than we do. Well, Steve, I know you're, you and I are old enough to remember what the Brezhnev doctrine was. And that's really what, what that court doctrine that you're talking about is, you know, once, once you go left, you never go back. And that is, that's the way the left has been 
for a long time, not just about Roe v. Wade, but about, you know, any country that goes left, any policy that goes left, you can, you know, the Brezhnev doctrine said you, you never go back. You can only go in their direction. Um, I think, though, as I alluded to earlier, the real issue is that we're no longer dealing with good faith disputes, good, good, good faith disagreements about policy. And that's why, Elliot, even when we win, we don't win because it's not a good faith dispute. It's they're, they're not they're not looking for a, for a resolution of a problem. They're looking for an imprimatur, a, a stamp of approval from a court. And if they get it, great. If they don't, they don't care. And because it was never about resolving the dispute. It was always about how are they going to run us over? Um, and that's really the issue that I see. Um, you know, I, we've talked about it on this show with regard to the riots. You know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about, you know, Trump should have sent in the troops the way Eisenhower sent troops into to Little Rock. Um, and, you know, people on the right are a little nervous about that. You know, do we want martial law? Do we want the federal government to be putting military in the streets? But the reality is federalism is being turned on its head and it's being used to destroy everybody else's rights. Um, and, and, you know, with the courts, they're doing the same thing. I mean, I, I, I disagree, even if all the things you said, Elliot, are true. And I, I agree with some and disagree with others, but um, I, I think we can learn a lot from what the Muslims and what the left you do, what they both call as lawfare and treat lawsuits as just one more arrow in their quiver that they can use to tie us down and to put us on the defensive. Um, I don't think that we should be looking at it as the end all be all, which is what a lot of people on our side. In fact, it's our side that I think tends to look at the courts as, well, we got Heller. That means that we've won. And, and Heller isn't even that good. I understand that. I mean, even city of, you know, McDonald versus city of Chicago is better, but even that, you know, it's our side that, that looks at it and wants to hold the, hold that decision up and say, look, we won, this is over. And, and it's never over. I mean, even when you win, it's never over. I mean, I made a point, you know, a while back about, you know, no political battle is ever permanently won or permanently lost. The side that lost always gets to come back and, and re-argue its case and, and try and persuade people down the road. And, the left is good at that. Our side is not as good at that. You know, we, we are the ones who tend to think that, you know, once we win, that should be it should be a settled case. And it's not settled and and it's not supposed to be settled. I mean, people can make mistakes. Judges can make mistakes. Um, and but I think also we're dealing with with issues. You know, the, this whole fraud issue in the election is a perfect example to me. I mean, it, there's no doubt in my mind that there were, you know, you call it irregularities. Other people call it you know, anomalies, you know, Sidney Powell is talking about statistical impossibilities. I mean, all true. And in a, in a normal conversation where you're not asking a judge to intervene and overturn an election, I would agree with that. But I mean, you know, if you look at, for instance, New York 22, which is a race in, in New York state where the Republican on, on election night was ahead by a couple thousand votes and the Democrat keeps challenging and challenging and challenging. And uh, I think as of yesterday, it was down to 12 votes and the Republican is still ahead, but there's, it, it, it may be that the Democrat is going to wind up winning that. How is that happening? Because it's happening because a judge keeps deciding which votes are, are okay and which ones are not. And, and I'm not saying that there's never a role for the judiciary, but that's a problem to me. I mean, if there's, if the election is that disputed, that's something that I think the legislature needs to get involved with, especially when you're dealing with the presidential electors. Um, and, you know, the the Pennsylvania Supreme Court over the weekend, you know, there's there's another challenge that that a couple of uh, that a conservative representative, I forget his name in Pennsylvania filed uh, challenging the uh, the Pennsylvania legislature in October of 19. So 13 months ago, changed the uh, mail in voting rules and the change the legislation explicitly violates the Pennsylvania Constitution. Uh, nobody had seen this before, but these guys brought that case. Uh, lower court issued an, a, per, a preliminary injunction saying that they're likely to succeed on the merits and we're gonna try, you know, we're gonna expedite the case. It goes up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court heard an emergency appeal over the weekend and the Supreme Court invokes this rule of procedure in Pennsylvania that says you have, if you don't challenge a stat, uh, if you don't challenge the constitutionality of a statute within 180 days of enactment, you can't challenge it later. 
And so they just threw it out and they said it's totally on state law grounds. And it's arguable whether the Supreme Court even has a federal question to be able to overturn that. Um, and I think it's a good thing that, that the federal courts are limited, but the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is in, acting so rogue and so um, with such level of corruption that it's just, there's a problem here. And the problem is not solved by just blind adherence to the constitution and saying, well, if they want to be tyrannical in Pennsylvania, you know, so be it, you know, it may, it may affect our presidential election, but that's just life in a constitutional Republic. I mean, I, there's gotta be some way for us to, to deal with that. And, you know, the question is how, I mean, I'm not sure how we deal with it. Um, well, going back to how much I don't like the court, somebody else pointed out, had they gone before 180 days, the judge would have said, well, no one's been hurt, so therefore yeah. we're not going to hear it, or no one has standing because no one's lost an election, and it was a catch-22, and I was happy that some legal guy said that also. But again, I have very yeah. little confidence in courts. What did you want to say, Jody? I wanted to ask about uh, the role of the justice system, judiciary in this, and what I think is going to be important to a whole lot of voters, it's not, for a lot of people, it's not just about whether or not, because this is not about Trump or Biden. This really is about our system and voting. And I think that it's not just about, okay, is the, what is the, can we win through the legislature? Because if people walk away from this thinking that people got away with fraud, the judiciary should at least be able to be upholding justice, meaning these people, we need to see justice. These people should be in prison for what they've done. And those cases where people, where people do these kinds of illegal things, we should all be watching them be prosecuted and, you know, bad things happen so that other people are deterred from doing it again in the future. I'm just saying, I think that that part can't be missing here or we're in trouble. We can't yeah, just say, I mean, oh, it happened. We there's nothing we if if we all have the suspicion, the suspicion has to be that that process ha we have to know that it's been um that we've looked into it enough that we we feel a certain level of comfort that it just didn't get, just get swept under the rug, that we know bad well, people were were prosecuted. And well, justice was served. But the general population just, well, we, we, we know that this is the case. You know, we know that there was fraud. So the a judge should just convict people and send people to jail. I mean, that's what not the, what I said at all. That's yeah. not what I said at all. I, I would never, ever, 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 ever say that anyone should be convicted of something they didn't do. Not ever. What I'm saying is the mindset of the American people needs to, it, we, all of those cases, all of those things, the witnesses, those people, that needs to have its day in court. We need well, to know. You can't yeah. just say, oh, stop looking, stop talking about it. It's not for the judiciary. It's for the legislature. It's not because justice also is required and warranted. And That's if we get there, Ed, and we get into the, if we get into the court system and they say, look, you haven't proven that these people did this and there's no one to put in jail. Fine, but you can't start the conversation with we don't win this in the judiciary when justice matters and deterrence. Like you have to deter this somehow. People have to go to prison when they do these things so that people don't do it in the future. Well, so you are calling for people to go to prison though. And I'm calling for what would would you what do you think people who've committed this kind of fraud should do? What is the penalty? Maybe it's not prison. Tell me, what's the penalty I'm for committing election fraud? It's got to be proved. I mean, just because- I didn't thinking, say it wouldn't be. You keep saying, I'm saying no proof, just put them in prison. I've never said that. I don't understand where you're getting that. I'm saying the process has to play out. People, we have to, the whole thing needs to have its day in court so we can know, yes, they are guilty or yes, they are not. But what I'm saying you can't do is just say, forget about that avenue. We're not gonna win in the courts because it's not just about winning, it's about justice. If these things are true, if they need to go, let the process play out for the purpose of justice, I, not a political I, win. I agree with all that. And 
nowhere in our conversations, nowhere in any of my comments on social media, have I said anything to the contrary. I've, in fact, earlier in this show, I said, lawfare should be one more arrow in our quiver. We should be using lawsuits. We should be filing, filing in the courts. Absolutely. Um, but I also think, I think that if the president is going to whip his supporters up into a, a frenzy that there's fraud and that elections are not um, not secure, he's got a pretty high burden to me to not just make an allegation. He better have damn good proof before he's making that allegation. And he shouldn't just be I throwing agree. it out there and stepping back the way he stepped back. And I, and I look at, for instance, what he's doing in Georgia. I mean, Georgia is just a real, a real cluster something. And, you know, the, the, the Republican governor and the Republican legislature and secretary of state, they look like they're not willing to do their jobs. The president, for reasons that I can't understand, I mean, he, the president has started tweeting against Governor Kemp and saying that he needs to take action. But the deadline for, for registering to vote and the, reg and the deadline for doing things before the election is December 7th. I don't know. I mean, we've already gone almost four weeks of this of this con contested situation and why hasn't this, the georgia legislature been called into special session why doesn't the president say you guys need to get into special session you need to convene a special session you need to ensure the integrity of the election that's coming up not because of me not because of november 3rd although i do think there was fraud on november 3rd but we darn well better make sure that there's not going to be fraud on january 5th and yeah. no i agree that, and by making that case he implicitly bolsters his own case anyhow, yet he's not doing it. And well, you know, a couple things that I'm telling you that night, I, I, I didn't need any news organization to tell me something was fishy when I'm watching my home state of Michigan. And we were recording this show on November 3rd when I watched them call Michigan for Trump or for Biden when Trump, it was like 54 to, to 49 or something. There's how, and, and I watched the numbers. I watched them until into the night and then I went to bed. Somebody has to explain to me how that kind of, I'm just saying that is why I'm highly suspicious. And maybe there's, maybe there's two parts of discussion that aren't happening here on a national level where on one, one hand there's the political strategy and, and on another hand there is a strategy of justice. And maybe that's been missing in the in the whole like helping people understand you know what's going on here because i feel like too many people on the right feel like justice isn't going to happen and justice is as important as the results you know well you know if, the, the department of justice is investigating um bribes for pardons and it's funny because i remember bribes for pardons when Clinton was in office, but nobody cared. But now they're investigating that when it's uh, Trump leaving office. Okay, so, so that brings up busy investigating that to investigate voter fraud. And Bill Barr said we've investigated this now for two weeks and we don't find anything worthwhile. So I guess that's it. Now that doesn't mean that they won't spend three years investigating Russian collusion with 500 FBI people assigned to it. As far as giving up on justice in this country. Who are we kidding? Um, that would be Hillary Clinton wiping her server. That would be no, 10, or 11, right. 10 or 11 FBI agents wiping their phones so that they could not be subpoenaed later on. So justice, who are we kidding? There is no justice and there's for sure no equal justice anywhere in this country. If we did half of this kind of stuff, anybody remember Sandy Berger? I know exactly what you're talking about. And how I many years did he do for familiar. what did he do? He was stealing uh, classified information from the Library of Congress or something, hiding stole, the stole information that allegedly would have tied the Saudis to 9-11. Yeah. How many years did he do? He didn't do any. Of course. So there's really justice in this country is such a joke. The Hillary Clinton thing proved that the Russian collusion thing proved it. Um, the Ukraine right. impeachment thing. It's very sad. I don't have any faith whatsoever. And, you know, like um, many of the podcasters and pundits are saying, the only crime today that actually is getting punished is not wearing a mask or opening up a restaurant against the will of the government. Yeah. Staten Island was just arrested for that. 
Apparently, the people committing really big crimes are all being let out without bail and being allowed to go out and commit much worse crimes. Is tax evasion considered a big crime? Is what? <laughs> what? Tax evasion? Is tax that considered evasion? a big crime or a mask crime? It depends if uh, Trump commits it or not. So, I mean, really, That's the it. only crime that we care about today is not wearing a mask in public. I, I well, don't have I, any confidence in our justice system. I'm just going to say what you're implying, and the implication is that we're at the point of civil war, mm-hmm. that our civil society has broken down and that there's no way to resolve disputes through uh, impartial judicial means. And if that's where we are, that's where we are. But if that's where we are, then you don't expect judges to to give you, you don't fight it. I mean, maybe you file lawsuits. I'm not saying you leave the arrow in the quiver, but you're not gonna win a civil war by filing briefs in a court. Exactly. It's not the way it's going. Well, I'm I'm not into civil war. I'm into peaceful separation. However, oh, amen. You know, Me too. You know your gen- your uh, friend who wrote that book, Two State Solution for America, and I think we we can invite him on when everybody wants to do that. But I don't. I would hope to God we don't have a civil war. But I would love to see some some sort of sanctuary county, the way Horowitz puts it, state the way Free State Project puts it, um, peaceful separation, the way Tom Kempf puts it. But something, because we cannot live together like this. No. The hatred. How, how, I mean, the how do we? That they're saying about Trump, what they should be doing to him. You know what? What did Keith Oberman say the other day? Damn right, they should all be in prison. Anybody who supported mm-hmm. Trump should go to prison. Of and course, we know that's how they feel. We've known it for years. Yeah, he's not the only one, and now they're upset because Trump will pardon himself. I, I think I said it on the show before. I don't see how Trump doesn't flee the country if Biden's president, because he can only pardon himself for federal crimes. But we have a district attorney in New York who was elected specifically to get Trump. And they're going to go after Trump on state state issues like crazy. I don't even know what he's going to do. I don't know. what well, Trump Trump moved to Florida. His residence is officially in Florida. So once he leaves the White House, no. I think he'll be living in Florida more than New York. They can um, invite him when crimes committed in New York, if I'm not mistaken. OK, and stop. maybe. Just, and then what's going to happen is he'll be a, a resident of Florida, where at least currently DeSantis is really decent, considering he's, he's a governor. He's better than most. Um, and then when there are federal issues or New York issues or extradition to New York, whatever that might mean, um, guess who will become the biggest proponent of state independence? Mr. Trump from Florida. And then he'll join our team finally. Because he's going to love the idea of secession and independence when it means Schneiderman or whoever else in New York or federal prosecutors are not going after him because him and Ron DeSantis um, are making Florida independent and then we can work together on independence. Well, the federal prosecutors won't be able to touch him if he pardons himself, but the state prosecutors are not going to leave him alone. And I know that there was somebody not too prominent yet, but literally talking about re-education camps for us. Of course, of course. Anybody who supported Trump. And who would have believed now, Keith Oberman is a he's a wacko, but he yeah. did have a show on TV for quite a long time. If he still does not I don't even know. And he may not be mainstream, but he's not Alex Jones, you know, Infowars kook. They don't treat him that way. This is mainstream. Mainstream people from from uh, Don Lemon, uh, John Stewart. And what's who's the other guy? Uh, Colbert. They're all very mainstream. They have the late night shows on the big networks and they all have severe uh, Trump derangement syndrome, and they would love if they could get a bill passed. They would love to put us all in the education camps or kill us all. That you know, we've known this for years. It's not a surprise. This is why I don't think peaceful secession is possible. It's just oh, not. it is. They hate they us and they want, want us dead, so let us leave. If they hate us, they let us separate. No, they they want our submission. They don't want our freedom. They want our submission. They won't feel good until we submit and they have control. I don't. I don't think this is about disagreement for them. This is about control. Well, hopefully they let us leave, but if they really want to dominate and kill us, then we'll have to defend ourselves. And, and you know, that wouldn't call it civil war. But but again, even self-defense violently is, is the last resort. All we ask for is to let us leave peacefully from this abusive relationship. Yeah, I, and w- how does that work if our side is so untrustworthy and, and, and being competent? <laughs> where do we go? In New Hampshire, where where most of the politicians, you know, some are still politicians, but they're mostly pretty good in New Hampshire. And we have a pretty good legislature already in place. Of course, you know, we may or may not want to alter it in our dreams if we get secession, but it's already pretty good because it's very representative of the people and the politicians are not considered gods like in most other states. So we all have good systems out there. If if anybody cared what I have to say, um, and I'm judging you positively (laughs) that you do, 
But if anybody <laughs> outside this uh, podcast cared what I have to say, I wish people like Daniel Horowitz, who screams every day on his podcast, we need a place to go. And others who are calling for secession and others who are calling for peaceful separation got together for some kind of conference online or not and said, let's take a serious look. Where can yeah. we go? And maybe it's Wyoming, maybe it's New Hampshire, maybe it's Florida, but let's take a good look and we'll focus on two places and try to do what we can. And like I say, those who can move, move. Those who can't, that's on them. You know, not all of us could move to Switzerland either. They wouldn't let us in because otherwise I don't see, I, I don't want to say there's no alternative to violence. We've seen violence. We've seen cities burning down. I don't think any of us doubts that had Trump really won overwhelmingly that we'd be seeing cities burning down again. So I, I don't really know what the alternatives are. Oh, I'm sure of it too, yeah. And how far do you think we are from, if you know the story of Purim, I don't know if Jody and Ed do, the story of kind of legalized persecution and just kill them all. Is it Biden or is it the next administration in five years where it's Liz Warren as president or Andrew Cuomo? I say it's down the where they legalize, you know, all pro-Trump people, all whites, just go kill them and make, make yep. it legal to kill us. No, I don't think it would ever be legal to kill them, but I don't see us that far from Soviet style. By definition, they're crazy and they may need to go into psych units. I, I used to think that was insane on the part of the Soviets, but I think if you get yourself so deranged about somebody is so evil and so bad, I don't see that is all that far off. We're already there. By definition, yeah. in, in the in disagreement the earth, is evil on the whole earth. Everyone who denies climate change, global warming, man-made, and it's catastrophic is considered psychotic. If you actually look at medicine, that's one of the things I'm sure now that is considered psychotic as per emergency room physicians and, and psychologists and psychiatrists. If you deny global warming is man-made and catastrophic, you are psych and you're going to a psych unit. It's already here. I'm sure it's already here. It's like the night. You know, I saw um, an article from the National Association of Realtors. And they're starting to adopt ethics almost the way the National Association of Social Workers are adopting. And they're basically saying that if you ever, even in your private life, have said or written anything against what we consider social justice. So if you said, for instance, that what's the name of this lady who just switched over? That actress? Oh, uh, Elliot. Uh... Right. It became Elliot because she likes the guy from Liberty Block. She was, what was she, Ellen before or something? Yes, page. Yeah. So if you say anything, even about that being strange, if you say anything about not using the same locker rooms, even to your friend, they're talking about stripping you of your real estate license and you're not being allowed to make a living. So we're really as insane as some of this stuff sounds like, we're really pushing pretty hard, not giving the chance to people to just talk openly, think openly, well, free openly. Remembering you know, that Obama that, felt the same way 10 years ago. That's, Steve, understand that only goes one way because did you guys hear, do you know who Katie Hopkins is? Yeah, she's awesome from Britain. Yeah, so she's the woman from Britain. She was a journalist, she's conservative and she's being treated horrifyingly. She's lost everything. The things that she's gone through and listening to her, she'll say, you know, I've lost everything and a lot of people would uh, would stay silent to keep their stuff, but I'd rather you take my stuff so I can have my freedom to speak. Anyway, uh, some lefty in the UK made a musical titled The Assassination of Katie Hopkins. Wow. And the opening of the musical is about her assassination. Now, these are lefties. So this is not seen as hate speech. This is seen as art and it's praised. And the lefties who made this say, oh, that's just, you know, we like to have the provocative name. We're not really calling for her assassination. If somebody on the right had done that about somebody on the left. So I'm just saying, let's be honest. Free speech is being killed for certain people and it is being extended. Extreme speech is being extended to the other side. Well, just look at, you know, look what it did to Sarah Palin for using that uh, bullseye and crosshairs and compare it to, you know, Kathy Griffin and, you know, some of the, and, you know, there was a, uh, there was a book or a movie about uh, assassinating Bush. And they said that that was just art. Uh, there was yeah. a movie that was made within the last 
within the last 18 months, I think, I forget the name of it, but the premise of the movie was basically uh, that it was legal to hunt and kill, hunt and kill Trump supporters. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I said, so you, you can't even disagree with them on something that has like global warming without being considered a horrible person. They can literally say and do horrible things and it's praised as good. Yep. And this it's is like we're living in this time where good is bad and bad is good. And I think, that, again, people call me a pessimist, which is fine. Um, a lot of conservatives don't realize this. They think it's kind of like a, a seesaw and we're teeter-tottering. We're not. The Overton window is shifting left dramatically, quickly, and very powerfully. In five, 10 years, anyone who denies global warming, supports gun rights, supports free market capitalism, you know, is white or supports anyone who is white or Christian, um, will be considered super duper psychotic and dangerous, just like Nazis are now by the left. They say all Nazis and um, pro-capitalism people, which is the same thing according to the left, um, anyone who denies global warming and loves big guns is, is psychotic and dangerous. In five, 10 years, it'll be worse. In 10 years in the US, that's why we need to secede. In 10 years, if you four live in the US, because hopefully I won't, hopefully I'll live in the Republic of New Hampshire, anyone in the US in five, 10, 15 years who, who believes any of the, the 10 core values of freedom and conservative, conservatism, is going to be considered deranged, psychotic, dangerous, and maybe committed to a mental home, maybe put in prison, maybe killed. But those will be the the uh, consequences for having our beliefs. Just our, the our only beliefs. reason. The only reason I don't consider what you're saying off the wall is because a year ago, if I would have predicted that we have to wear masks outside and masks inside and can't go to restaurants and can't buy a beer and on Zoom calls. And yeah, right. Well, who was that? Cincinnati or something? Who said you had to wear them on Zoom, on Zoom calls? Possibly. I would say that could never in a hundred million years happen in this country. And you know, again, I used to be way back when, when I was more of a conservative. I was very pro Patriot Act, TSA, etc., thinking it's for security. And I've morphed into thinking TSA has just made us all into sheep. And that the reason we take all of this is we're just so used to doing anything for security that there's nothing we won't give up anymore. And again, you know, do I care about wearing a mask sometimes? It's not the biggest deal sometimes. Sometimes it is. But to be forced to wear a mask and all these politicians who get up there and pontificate, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? You're right. Maybe it's not a big deal, but you can't force me to do it. What's a big deal about a ride on a cattle car? You know, you're taking a ride, you're gonna go do some work for the government. It's a patriotic duty. What's the big deal? Well, well, I think, you know, they say, what's the big deal while they don't, while they are caught not following their own rules. So the big deal is that what they're doing is destructive to trust in politicians and frankly, science. So that's the big deal. You know, I put up on somebody's Facebook today and it's, I'm sure I'm not even the first thousand people to think of it. When we read those books about dystopian societies, we all read them separately. At one point we read Animal Farm, at another point we read 1984, at another point we read Brave New World, another point we read Fahrenheit 9411 or 911, whatever it's or called, 511. What we didn't realize is we're living, and Atlas Shrugged, of course, we're living through all of it right now. There's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You got Atlas Shrugged in California where you can't even have enough electricity to keep a population you know, powered up during the day. And we got Brave New World people running around, whether they're taking pills or whether they're just on their iPhones all day, listening to music and playing games. And we have just a little bit of everything. We have telescreens in our home because we bring them in our home in the guise of smartphones. And if I say the, hey, G-O-O-G-L-E, my phone listens to me all the time. So we're actually living through <laughs> all of that in one big, in one big place. And I, I just hope to goodness that we find a way out before it literally is too late, whatever, that's, whatever that point is. I don't know. I think we're, we're at that crossroads right now. I mean, you know, we, we keep sort of dancing around it and, you know, are we at the point of, of violent separation and civil war? Because as I've said, you know, if you can't turn to the courts to get redress, yeah, where else can you go? I mean, if you can't turn to the legislature and, and not just any legislature, but I mean, you know, Republicans are the ones that are getting cheated in, 
in Georgia and Pennsylvania, which are the two clearest examples that I can tell. And both of them have Republican legislatures. Georgia has Republican governor and Republican secretary of state. Pennsylvania doesn't, but you have Republican legislators that are not willing to step up and, and defend their own people. And, you know, I, you know, we're running low on time, but, you know, so I don't know how much we can get into this. We've not done a postmortem on, on the Trump campaign. Um, I, I just think that as much as I see fraud, I think that there are non-fraud explanations for his loss. Um, I think that he has never defended his people as we've been put under attack all year. Um, and, you know, no Republican is willing to stand up and defend us. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, or at least I'm seeing reports that Republicans are threatening not to vote for the two candidates in the Georgia Senate runoff and let Chuck Schumer and let the Democrats just take over because, well, this Republican Party is not going to stand up and fight for us. I mean, what's going to happen if that happens? I mean, I, I've been call, I've been warning, I've been warning about that for two weeks now that I don't, I, what I, the way I see it playing out is we're going to lose those two Georgia seats and, and this country is going to be radically different within a hundred days of Biden getting into power. And Scary. what is, you know, what is our, what is our end game? What is our response? I mean, even if we, if we wait two years for another election, even if it's a free and fair election, there's a lot of damage that can be done in two years. I mean, Obama did a lot of damage in the first two mm -hmm. years of his presidency. And yeah. you know, we still can't seem to get rid of Obamacare 10, 12 years later. So, I mean, are we at the point where, where armed resistance is what's going to happen? I mean, I know I've said many times in the last couple of weeks that we are definitely at the point of, of uh, civil disobedience. And all of these people that are resisting these outrageous orders to, to ban Thanksgiving and, and to force us to wear masks and to ban you know, indoor dining and outdoor dining. I mean, I'm glad whenever, whenever I see these business owners standing up and resisting, we're, we're right at the precipice. We're right at the point where I don't see any other way to, to, to get our message. I mean, you know, if you look at the, at the, the last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, you know, before they say that, before they pledge their lives, their sacred honor and their fortune, they talk about, you know, Jefferson talks about how, you know, we've gone to the king, we've, we've patiently petitioned, we've patiently given our grievances, nobody's listening to us. Well, all right, so we're gone. And we're, we're getting, if we're not at that point, we're darn close to it. So. I agree. Like the, 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 the point where uh, the law is no longer, what's the word? I don't know what the word, I don't want to say fair, but I want to, the law is no longer, no longer the law. law. Yeah, it's the law. Law is, law is not something done. that only applies selectively to one person. Right. You're well, done. No I feel law. like you're just done. You're done. There's nothing else. I, I agree. I kind of feel like you're done when that, but that's why I feel like to so many people on the right, that's why justice is as important as the political end game. Justice is a sign that the law has protected the sanctity of people's vote. So See, I the just, Democrats don't care whether we right. accept them. They don't care about right. legitimacy. They don't care about whether we think it's legitimate. I mean, if they gave a rat's patootie about it, they would they would talk to us. They would they would listen to us when we object to these lockdowns. They would talk to us about these mask mandates. They don't care. You know what? It's it's even it's even worse than that because they don't have to. They don't even have to care. It's it's one thing if they didn't care and they were held accountable for not caring, you know, the media and the legal system. But they don't even have to care. The media will make them look good when they're bad. The media will make us look bad when we're good. The left has everything on their side. So acting illegally and immorally is of absolutely no consequence to them. Actually, it's a benefit. The bigger issue, I think, I mean, you know, we, we started off talking about James O'Keefe and, and the, the media. We know that they're on the, the Democrat side. The real issue is that Repub whether Republicans will fight. And yes. you know, Trump was elected because in large part, people thought he would fight. Um, he hasn't fought. He hasn't fought as much as he, he could have. Um, and, and it's not just Trump. I mean, you know, I saw a story just this morning about how 
Governor Kemp in, uh, in Georgia, he resisted uh, a call to, for inspecting the Dominion machines, saying that it was more important to protect the intellectual property and trade secrets of Dominion than it was to get to the bottom of fraud. And again, Georgia Republicans are absolutely outraged by it. I totally get why. Um, why would a, a Republican be making that argument? I mean, why? What, it, what corruption? Like, literally, why? I mean, Sidney Powell has alleged that that he's being bribed, that he's taking money from Dominion. I don't know the reason why. Um, I right, speculated right. in an earlier show that maybe Republicans are cheating just as much as Democrats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why you've got all these red areas that are also uncompetitive. Maybe they've figured out how to game the system, too. I don't know. I mean, I admit that I'm speculating. They don't seem to admit that they're speculating. But the bottom line is Republicans are not speaking up for their constituents. Ted Cruz is trying to. Josh Hawley is trying to. Dan Getz in Florida is trying to. Um, there's a handful, but the overwhelming majority are not. And it's going to it's I, I it's radicalizing the Republican electorate. I, I mean, that's how I see it. Um, you know, I don't know if we're you know, I don't know if war is around the corner, but I, I know people that are stocking up on ammunition. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. And I feel like that that what that is leaving is a sort of leadership vacuum on the right. Like that sense that Trump was the leader who was going to sort of take on all this horrible stuff and it's not really happening. So there's this and it seems almost to the opposite where there's too many people on the right that aren't that are incompetent or corrupt. Who knows which? But I, I think it's it's why people on the right are being radicalized, because there's no there's no sense of who's getting the job done and how is it going to get the, how do we stop what we see happening? And the same thing that drove people to vote for Trump is dr going to drive them to vote for someone a lot more radical than him next time. Good Lord. I love, I mean, uh, on both sides, I'm sure, but it's. Well, I'm talking about the Trump voters on the, on the people on the right. I mean, I think the people on the yeah. left are already pretty radicalized and, yeah. um, but I don't think that, you know, and that's why I also said earlier in this show that, you know, if the president's going to whip his people up into a frenzy and, and I mean, before I checked myself about two weeks ago, I, I was whipped into a frenzy and, and, and part of me still is. I mean, I'm outraged by what I saw. I mean, I'm not a fool. I'm not dumb. I saw all the same things that everybody else saw. And there's no reasonable explanation other than that they were cheating. Well, I shouldn't say there's no reasonable explanation. I'm not, you know, I wasn't born last night, you know, but I also know that, you know, if he's either got to lay the evidence on the table and, and he should be pressuring the state legislatures. Um, and I, just want, I just, for me, I just, I need an investigation. I need to know why I saw what I saw, why other people like to me, it's a, it, 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 I guess, like I said, it's a difference between winning the election and winning justice and knowing that there's some sanctity to like that, that the law still cares, that the law is still going to work, that the law is still going to hold people who might commit fraud accountable for God's sakes, at least by looking into it, you know, but I mean, maybe I they look into it and litigate a case in, in a month or three. Yeah. Weeks. So maybe that's the problem. Maybe we don't have time. So what happens if, you know, what happens if, and this was my sister Sandy's question, what happens if we go, you know, after the fact and, you know, it's um, Biden has been sworn in and we find, we allow the court process to go through and we find all these people who did all this stuff. Um, does that have any bearing down the road? Can you change, you know, if they find that it's enough, that it was really a fraudulent election that would have been different? Can they, what happens then? We're still stuck with Biden or Trump goes unprecedented. back. It's never happened before. Um, so I we'll think find out if it happens, right? Once he's president, he's president. I think that, you know, it depends on who's in charge of the House and Senate. You theoretically could impeach him or you just, you know, you could, he'd be, you could make him into a lame duck if the Republicans have any power. But if they don't, if they lose these two Georgia Senate races and they about and the Democrats abolish the filibuster, the Republicans are going to be powerless to do anything for at least two years. 
So, you know, including conduct investigations. So I'm not even sure how that would even happen. Um, I don't know. You know, but I, I also, you know, you know, so much of the evidence, you know, like some of the some of the evidence is from experts. I mean, you know, the, all these all this testimony from experts that, you know, you don't get, you know, 80,000 votes or whatever the number was that are all uncreased. They don't show any indication they were put into an envelope. And they look like 90, Xerox copies. They look like Xerox copies. 98% of them, 99% of them are for Biden. There's no other candidate marked. I mean, I get all that. Or or even, you know, Sidney Powell, even her, her complaint even says um, uh, that the Dominion machines and the, the Smartmatic software, they were designed at the request and direction of, of Hugo Chavez. Okay, that's true. I bet that's true. And, but that doesn't prove right. there was fraud. I mean, that would be like getting an expert to testify that a gun is manufactured for the purpose of firing a projectile and, and killing a, you know, a person or an animal. And okay, yes, you proved that, but what's the evidence that this particular person used that particular gun to commit a murder? I mean, you need specific evidence. And you know, I, don't, I, I don't see that. I mean, I, I see the fraud, I see what's going on. Um, and I, but I, and I feel like we're being whipped into a frenzy over it, but um, I'm not, I'm not convinced that they're going to, that they have the, the evidence to prove that in a court. And, you know, with the, with the voting machines, which to me is the biggest one, because it potentially implicates hundreds of thousands of votes. The legislature was aware of this beforehand. I mean, Powell's complaint specifically says Texas rejected these, these machines in 2019. The legislature was aware of it. Do we really want courts to second guess legislatures? Do we really want a court even before the fact? I want a court to hear the cases of potential fraud. And I want the court to uphold justice against those who committed fraud, not just for the purposes of justice, but for the purposes of deterrent. Because if these people, if this is true and people did this and they get away with it, guess what? It's only going to get worse. I mean, how 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 nice it is to just go in and say, oh, you can do this. They're not going to prosecute you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. In the next election and the next. And honestly, I, this is just suspicion, but I have a feeling that's pretty much how my state of Illinois works because, you know, it's Illinois. And it's been that way forever. Yeah, I'm pretty how sure. Governors, how many of your governors exactly are in a jail right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, I'm sure, a tip of an iceberg. My dog is whining. Can you hear him? Uh, I'm going to wrap up for today, guys. Anything, uh, closing comments anybody wants to make? No, I'd like to. Uh, more to talk about next week. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be lots and lots of news because the news cycle is out of control. So with well, that, we'll should... have a little more clarity on some of these lawsuits. I think uh, today yeah. the report is what, December Second, mm -hmm. uh, the safe harbor date for appointing electors is December eighth. So that's mon That's next uh, Monday or no, next Tuesday. So that'll have passed by the time we record again. And December fourteenth is when the electoral college meets. I mean, the, the deadlines are moving up. You know, we're getting close to. You know, we're going to need a resolution one way or the other. So um, I think we'll have a lot more information the next next time and the next two times that we talk. Um, you know, I think that it's it's time to start talking about, you know, what level of civil disobedience is appropriate, how, you know, how how it might be accomplished. And, um, you know, are we you know, how where you know, where do we go from here? I mean, that's really what what's that's really what we got to start talking about, because it looks to me even in a best case scenario. I mean, even if Trump pulls this out, I don't see the left taking this lightly. No, if, if we're not ready for civil war, I know they are. Uh, they've already spent the whole summer burning cities down. So I know they're ready for violence. Um, and I know people on our side that are ready for violence too. And, you know, I'm not, we'll I'm terrified. I, I hope not too. I'm not advocating it, but I just, it's time that we start thinking about, you know, what all these things mean, you know, when, it, when, when people say that, the, that, you know, when, when when I see the team Trump get on TV and talk about how 
70 million people, you know, 80% of the 70 million who voted for Trump don't think this was a fair election. Well, what does that mean going forward? I mean, it means that there's no confidence in our government. There's no confidence in our system of government. If you can't trust an election, then you don't trust our system as a whole. Um, and, and we're on top of that, we're dealing, we're, we're potentially about to deal with someone committed to overturning our system of government. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, what's going to happen if Biden nominates six more people for the Supreme court, what's going to happen when they, you know, when they try and admit Puerto Rico and, and even DC as States, I mean, you know, the walls are still going to start closing in on us. And, you know, Listen, I, don't think, I don't think people see it. I mean, I don't know. I- is the tip of an iceberg. He's the beginning of, I mean, this is nothing. I think he's just, he's a nothing burger compared to what's coming behind him on the left. No truer words were ever said than that Biden is a nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying he's, he's so not a lefty compared to the lefties that are coming behind him. But he offers no resistance to them either. He's going to enable yeah, them anyhow. That's why. That's probably exactly why they put him up because he's probably he, he he's the best face, the the the, the least um, radical face uh, that they can use to usher themselves in. That's... We'll see. I, I don't think that they really care about being seen as radical. If they did, they wouldn't be doing some of the things they're doing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, all I hope right. you guys all had a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you broke somebody's edicts when, when having it. I hope your families are all safe. And uh, I look forward to talking to you guys during the week and then recording next week from now. Okay, thank you very much. We should be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. And once again, this podcast will be up within a half hour to an hour. And as always, we invite people to join us as we record this live. Have a wonderful day. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody.